Birthday greeting, bottle of wine. Now you can hear me. Sorry. Oh, were you? <laughs> Wait a Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 64 of The Cormudgeon Show. I'm Derek Tam Scott. I'm Jason Camisa, and this is a part of... The Haggerty Podcast Network. God, you're so good at that. On this episode, we're going to talk about all sorts of things because we can't keep to a outline topic. Yeah. So probably. Outline. <laughs> um, you bought a new car. Uh, yes. And I hated every minute of interacting with car dealers because they... You bought it from a dealer. Bought a car from... It's not a new car, but a, a new to me car from a dealer that... I liked after... You bought it from a used car dealer. Yeah, after fighting with a dealer that I didn't like. Uh, you went on a road trip in a vintage Mercedes. There's a shock. <clears throat> yes, there's a lot of vintage Mercedes conversation. It's got to be boring. No, it's not. Because you also talk about... No, the car market. The collector car market. Uh, and... The blowing up Toyota GR86. GR86 motor failure. We cover a lot of stuff in this episode, but there's one thing we have to talk about more than anything else. Uh, episode 64. Oh, wait, no. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Will you still... Uh, what is it? How does when it I get old, losing my hair, many, many years, years from, from now, will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greeting, bottle of wine. If I'd been out to quarter past three, would you, you lock the door? door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When, when I'm episode 64, boom, boom. Too much singing. Hey, Derek. You know everything... Hey, Jason. Hey, Derek. Hey, Jason. Unexpected. Um, you know how everything has a color? What color are you? On Earth? What color Is are you? Is this a trick question? No. Brown. You know... <laughs> I was talking about literally... What I was talking about is when you go to Monterey Car Week... What's the official color of Monterey Car Week? I'll give you a hint. Orange. Right. You know what that means? Um, no, tell me. Reliable carriers. Oh, yes. So you know, and I know, that when you're transporting cars, there's only one option. And Reliable sponsoring this episode. But no, seriously, when you're transporting cars, there's only one option. Have you ever been at Car Week, which is coming up, mm -hmm. to the area where they unload? It's always very entertaining. It's, very, it's orange, right? Yes. So now we're going to, so Car Week is coming up, but actually will have already happened by the time this ad, this episode goes live? Mm, no. I take that back. Car I, Week is, <laughs> is next week, I think. Uh, Shit. This is, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Okay, no, 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 I, think I think we're going to have to right. start this ad read over again because we're going to get fired from this. Here's no, the deal. it's fine. Okay. When you go to Car Week, I'm sure we can dig up a picture in the, in the past. You always see there's a there's a field. There's a, a polo field? It depends where you are, but yeah. yes. Of where all the transporters come in and drop all the cars, and they're all orange. Mm -hmm. So every time I see Reliable, I'm like, oh, I'm back in Monterey, because everyone ships their cars. I have positive associations with seeing those types of trucks, for sure, because there's always something fun inside. Yeah, exactly. It's like a kid in the candy store day. Yeah, whenever we get a car delivered by them, you're like, oh, we were getting, we know what we're getting, and you know, but then there's like five other cars in there, and you're like, what's it going to be? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I saw my first LaFerrari ever in the back of a transporter. You know, yeah, it's uh, just uh, like uh, yeah. you never know. What's you never know what's going to be in there, right? Uh, and so, being that reliable is sponsoring this episode, here's the deal: if you an actual deal, an act, it's an actual deal for you guys, and this is this is important to us. If, if you transporting need to transport a car and closed, in well, why would you transport it out of closed? Naked, <laughs> <laughs> so that it can show up with um, oil stains on it That's from right. being on the lower deck. 
and you know whatever storm that they drove through. If you, if you hate your car, transport it Open. out closed. Uh, if you love your car, transport it enclosed. And if you go to reliablecarriers.com and you request a quote to transport your car and you mention their Carmudian show in the comments section of the quote, then you get 10% off. 10%. Non trivial. 10% on your car insurance? Wait, hold on. That's a little. I asked you what your color was and had you said green, I would have said. And then this would have gone a completely different direction. <laughs> but we're still getting 10% off. But still but not because on car insurance. Yes, yes. Move your car around with Reliable. Mention Carmudgeon in the comments when you request a quote and you will get 10% off. And now we can get back to our broken television. Yes. Nothing but the best. <laughs> <laughs> you smell pickles. I smell pickles. While I was in Nova Scotia, I happened to cross uh, at an ice cream store things that were like Otter Pops. That you, you know, like a little pouch that you put in your freezer. Uh-huh. Pickle juice flavored. That's disgusting. Yeah, um, it is so disgusting. You, I thought about buying one for my mom as a joke because she likes pickle flavored potato chips. Ooh, that's um, good. Yeah, but a pickle juice flavored Otter Pop, less interested in that. So when you say I'm smelling pickle juice, is that a sign that you're having a stroke? Like, <laughs> oh, it I could smell be. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. We'll see if my speech starts to slur and my st- I start to make less sense than usual. That's a low bar. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, okay, we could probably start recording. <laughs> I mean, we're re- we could probably start talking. I think we're re- unfortunately. So I've just made fun of Paolo, who I continue to make fun of. Who's off? He's running around getting cameras started right now. Um, hasn't learned yet that he should always start recording before we he starts realize. recording. Yeah, <laughs> because that's when you say things like "I smell pickles," which is a strange thing to say. I would. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I would like a pickle. I would eat a pickle right now. Is that a normal thing to say? Paula says no. Okay. Well, that <laughs> may be true. I do a lot of abnormal things. Isn't this the part where we talk about Haggerty Podcast Network? Nope. That already happened. Oh, that's mm. right. Sorry. Yeah. So yes. we have this new thing where we're, we're supposed to do the whole beginning of the episode before we, after. We do the beginning Time after. travel. Yeah, time travel. Got um, it. Time shifting. Uh, you're going to have to clap at some point, so you might as well just do it now again. He, it's just not that difficult, Derek. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, I can't. See, it's quite done. <clears throat> um, right, so remember how I had that E30 called Rose Gold? Yes, that was the other E30, but the other other E30. The other other E30, yeah. Yes. Um, well, I sold it. I think I, I, think I said that. The yes. The new owner is uh, sending me nonstop pictures, and I just ran into him. He, I, the whole point of me buying that car was to protect it from going into the wrong hands, and I, like, hit the fucking jackpot with the new buyer. He replaced the lighter and the hazard light switch because he wanted them to be absolutely perfect. He's going through this car systematically and making it just absolutely perfect. Like 50 hours with a steam cleaner to, to remove all the cosmoline from the engine compartment. Is that good? Yeah. I like Cosmoline. It, tur- it turns, I mean, it starts out fairly clear and it just keeps turning darker and winds up looking like this nasty ass iced tea. Um, and so I know everybody's like dry icing the underside of cars. I always feel a little bit like, I yeah. like the Cosmoline. I mean, it's there as a protectant, so I would leave it under on the other side of the car. Um, but I, you know, the the way they applied that back in the day was just sort of like, 
Yeah. And so it globs on the intake manifold and stuff. So I'm fine. But uh, that made me very happy to see that Rose, is, Miss Rose Gold is being very well taken Spa care of. Spa treatment. Um, yeah, and it was really good to, to get back to nine cars. <laughs> and then I just bought something else. Really? Back to ten. Really? That was fast. It's very fast. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. It has more horsepower than the Ferrari, which really? was my otherwise most previously most oh, horsepower Oh, I know car. what it is. <laughs> what? I know what this okay, is because you, you were sending me possible um, vanity license plate options. Oh, shit. So this, the element of surprise is lost. Oh, this is most underwhelming. Sorry, is everyone, it? in advance. Is it underwhelming? Yeah, it's deeply underwhelming. It's my first American car. Uh-huh. It's my first V6. And it's an automatic... Don't worry, the power goes to the front axles, too. Yeah. <laughs> a 4,600 pound, 283 horsepower, 3.6 liter, quad cam, 24 valve, 6-speed automatic, Pentastar, Dodge Caravan S-E-X-T. The E is implied. It's a sext. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and does it send you nasty messages at night? Oh, because it's sexting? Yeah. Uh, no, hasn't done that yet. In fact, oh. it hasn't even thrown a check engine light. This was Have a, you driven it? Mm-hmm. I put 290 miles on it so far. Mm. Um, How exciting. Let me tell you. So the next future collectible is? Is the 2019 Dodge Caravan SXT. Oh, it's a fleet one. It's an ex-rental rental yeah, car. Yeah, ex-rental car, because they were selling those only for rental cars at that f- point. Because the Pacifica was, was the consumer the product. And they were like, we'll leave this old shit heap in production and sell it to rental car companies. So the funny thing is, so we, once about once a month, we're we're filming on the road for Icons and Drag Race, Cooter, Camisa's Ultimate Drag Race Replay. And we I always rent a, a minivan. And I, so I call Enterprise. They give us a great price. They've been wonderful to deal with. However, you never know what you're getting. And a couple of times they've tried to sub out like, hey, we don't have a minivan, but we do have insert name of SUV. With three rows doesn't work for me because chrysler's flip and fuck seats they call it stow and go but that's just so last century flip and fuck seats go into the floor and you get a perfectly flat cargo space and what the vans do more than pacifica does the same thing more than anything else is go from a seven passenger vehicle that actually seats seven rather than like you know some of these pseudo seven seaters a genuine seven seater school bus into a cargo van and what filled a Mercedes GLE to completion, where it took me three hours to Tetris everything in, barely fits, barely fills half of the caravan. So I need a vehicle that will get me from here in Northern California to wherever we're shooting, which is usually Southern California, with a, a, re, a pickup truck and a half worth of shit, gear and stuff like that. And then once we're there, unload it, unflip and fuck all the seats, and we have a whole of one vehicle that can get the crew to and from the, the racetrack every day. Mm-hmm. And that my choice was continue to rent or to buy something. Now we're going to turn this into the camera van. Also, is the is the um, plan anyway? Um, because did we're you did Saint Haggerty pay for this, or mm-hmm. did you bought you it. bought it for yourself? I bought it. Um, we we need to modify it, and we need to you know modify it for the camera mounts and stuff. You're like going to wrap it in black and put a boom on the roof? No, <laughs> I am going to. I am going to. Um, uh, I'm going to plastic dip the wheels black because as they oh, rotate, they the reflections. reflections. But but the rest of it. Um, so yeah, there's only really one vehicle that we've found that can do cargo van duty plus 
seven passenger duty plus camera van duty. What about the other vans that are sold? Other they minivans like Toyota and Honda products? First of all, they're twice as expensive. Um, and I don't have that kind of money. And I mean, this is the third Certainly most expensive vehicle I've ever bought. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I paid $21,000 for it. $20,000. Wow. And, and let me tell you, I made it. I did an Instagram takedown post. Third I've never done post? Ferrari Lotus. Oh, hold on, my 911's oh, in there. 911 and maybe the Boxster or the E39. $11,000 for the Boxster. E39s? 15000 for my E39 sedan and I leased the wagon. Okay. I'm cheap. So, yeah, I mean, it's in order I of most spent expensive. That many, it's, I haven't spent that much money on cars either. Uh, like, I haven't bought a lot of cars that were expensive. I mean, yes, you did. And you have a GT3 Touring. Yeah, that's like the only one. Oh, I didn't spend a lot. And you also have a Miro. You didn't buy that. Correct. I did uh, not. Yeah. My father bought that yeah. in 1974. Also, probably for, for like $15,000. Exactly. Gonna, for minivan money. Yeah, yeah for like 80000 my minivan money. Um, the, the purchasing process for this was really difficult because I couldn't find, I've been looking for three months and could not find a single privately owned Chrysler minivan well, yeah, because they all came out of the rental fleets, I guess. Every one of them is a rental. So they're all one owner on Carfax, and then you look, and it's like one owner but rental vehicle. Um, <laughs> and I talked to the guys at Chrysler. I'm like, hey, if you can get me like a year-old Pacifica out of your like media fleet, I'll buy it. Because a Pacifica is basically the same thing, only you know, nine-speed automatic instead of six. Um, and they couldn't. They really did valiantly try. So that I found one, finally, at a dealership in Vacaville, which is about an hour and 45 minutes north of here. With traffic. An hour. I used to work there. Took me an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes each way. You shouldn't have gone in the afternoon. You should have gone in the morning. So it was a a Chevy dealer, and I wound up doing an Instagram takedown post because I was so fucking mad at them. So I get there. I spend an hour looking at the car before before they attack me in the parking lot. So I have all my ammo. Um, and then they, you know, the salesman comes out, I drive the car, I spend a total of two hours and I'm like, okay, this thing is all original paint, which is shocking, uh, for a minivan. And it had a couple little issues, but no big deal. So I sit down with the sales guy who was great, super nice guy. And we start talking price and they were asking 22, nine, I think, whatever it was. And I said to him, listen, you know, uh, let's start with the numbers. He's like, we don't really negotiate on price. And I'm like, "Mm, we'll see about that. Okay. So we sit down and he's like, here's your, here's your pricing estimate. It's $30,000 out the door. And I was like, wait a second. And I look in and there's a mandatory $4,000 warranty. What? And a mandatory $900 paint protection that they've already applied. And then another 300 bucks, I think it was $400 for, um, for some uh, GPS tracker. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. Not even a tracker, an, a, a sticker that they put on the car. And it's an insurance policy that if the car is stolen and not recovered within 48, 48 days or something, you get another $7,000, whatever. So I said to him, like, listen, I don't need the insurance thing. I work for an insurance company. One snap and they'll write me a check big enough to write this dealership. You know, I'm trying to make the guy laugh. I certainly don't need paint paint protection on a fucking minivan. And he was like, well, you know, if anything ever happens to the paint. And I'm like, it's too late. He was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, apparently your detail guy is five foot four. And he was like, how'd you know that? Why? And I'm like, go look at the roof. So a pterodactyl had shat on the roof and there was there were two enormous spots of bird shit where there was no clear coat and barely any paint left and then a two foot long scratch and it was filthy. And I'm like, so obviously your guy can't reach the roof and it's too late to protect paint that's already fucking gone. So let's talk about this stupid ass paint protection bullshit. And he was like, uh, okay. So they removed the warranty, but they absolutely wouldn't remove the $1,100 for paint protection and for uh, the sticker. And I'm like, look, 
I'm not going to buy the van today because I'm alone anyway, so I have no way of getting it home. So I'm going to leave and you, you guys think about it. And he's like, well, if no one's bought it next week and I'm like, you've had it for five months, like you can't give me a Carfax and then not think I'm going to read it. Right. And he's laughing. He was cool. He's like, I'll talk to the sales manager. So a week later, I text him. I'm like, hey, just FYI. And he writes back in a fairly terse manner. Like we're not moving on a price. So I make an Instagram post and I'm just like, dealers suck. And this is why, like I offered to pay, I, sorry, skipped a step. I offered to pay them the asking price. The asking price. Correct. I didn't ask for a discount. I didn't ask for anything else. Just honor your asking price without the bullshit that you did not disclose in the ad. You said 22.9, I'll give you 22.9 for the van. And they said no. Plus tax. And then a year, a week later, yes. Uh, a week later, they said no again. So I made a post and I was like, this is why dealers suck. This is complete and total bullshit. Hidden fees are bullshit. Of course, the dealership sees this, untags themselves, blocks me, and then changes their um, uh, their Instagram accounts and no one can make comments, which tells me that everyone was probably like, fuck yeah. Right. On. Yeah, and I said, look, I could look, I could tell the sales manager just how many bags of dicks I think he should suck, or you guys can do it. And so I think, I think the Instagram uh, hive mentality worked. Functioned. Right, functioned. And, you know, but the, here's the joke. A week later, they pulled $1,600 off the price of that van. I was only asking for 1100 which was, by the way, just 1100 in bullshit fees. They reduced the asking price to 1600 bucks, which meant that it was $500 less than I had offered. And that was- So the, did you buy it? No, but I'm not giving them my fucking money. So I found another one that was much cheaper than that and with less, fewer miles on it. And, huh. you know, it's all's fun. well that mm -hmm. ends well. But I just, you know, I hear constantly stories from people about, you know, I, I give a car a really good review and everything's great. And then they have to deal with the dealer. Yes. Um, and and, I mean, that, and that happens everywhere. Of course, ADM has been, ADM started as this sort of like weird, like, oh, I hear if you're trying to buy a Ferrari, you got to pay ADM. And like, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, and then it's like, now it makes its way down to Porsche. Uh, and now it's because of the pandemic thing. Now it's, I see these things with RAV4s with $30,000 markups and all this stuff. And it's just like become this thing where the dealers gouge and the manufacturers don't, I guess their agreements don't allow them to sort of determine uh, what the dealer does afterwards. And some dealers are like, we just don't do that. And then everybody buys stuff from them, from but their them. allocation is like, you know, five cars. Well, so. yeah, I have a friend who works at a Lexus dealer at the moment and they don't sell above sticker. And so they're getting as a, as a thank you from Lexus, they're getting additional allocation because Lexus, look, it's MSRP, manufacturer suggested, suggested retail, retail price. price. And yeah. they, the, the way the dealer lobby works, the manufacturer can't dictate the price of the car. They can only suggest. The reality is if there's a $30,000 markup on a RAV4, it's because supply and demand dictates that they Correct. can get that. Correct. The problem- Or with, some number near it. Yeah. The problem with this, this, whole, this whole dealer situation is there might be five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 in profit in that car for Toyota. The dealer is now making, you know, and the dealer would make another two or three. Now the dealer is making $32,000 in profit. Toyota is making five. That's deeply unfair. Toyota's investment in that dealership, uh, in that car is in the billions and the dealer's right. is, you know, a sign up front. Um, so the dealer <laughs> model needs to end. It just needs to go away. 
it's it's no longer relevant when you can sell direct to, to consumers. Yes, I mean that was sort of Tesla's big thing, and then the dealer lobby just absolutely lost it in certain states, and then they went went to court and blah blah blah. But and Tesla it's, continues it's to sell cars it. directly. Yeah. And someone recently announced I, that they were going to start selling cars directly. Also, I forget some manufacturer that I was surprised about. I mean, not surprised enough to read the article. <laughs> I, swear, <laughs> I scroll past that headline. I, I was mean, like, Polestar is delivering directly to customers, and that's a Volvo product, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm sure one of the one of the reasons why they created a new brand because you can't tell the Volvo dealers what to do, but you can start a new company called Polestar um, and do that. And, you know, Rivian is direct to consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, Does Lucid also? Lucid is direct to consumers. They have showrooms. um, That are manufacturer owned or leased. Yeah. And it's, that's the right way. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm sure you heard this week, which is now old news by the time this uh, podcast airs about, the guy who was uh, who blew his engine in his Toyota GR86. Yeah. Um, so the story goes: he blew the engine in 86, spun a rod, brought it to the dealership. They found one picture of his car on a drift course and just voided his warranty. Um, Even though that car has a known problem of too much RTV in that blocks oil passages, which is a manufacturing defect. Here's the problem: that car comes with a coupon to go do an HPDE. Yes. When you buy a GR86 or when you bought it, when the first early production one, it came with a coupon to go do it. NASA school, I think. Yeah, a driving school on a racetrack. So the fact that this cunt of a dealer is voiding this guy's warranty over something that that car was, let's be honest, made to do. And that the failure occurred because of a manufacturing defect. Do we know that for sure? That's what I've heard. I mean, that's the thing. That's what I've heard is that the oil passages are blocked by using too much sealant and Mm -hmm. it blocks one of the oil passages leading to starvation. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know either. But I have read what everyone else has read on. The but don't make a fucking rear wheel drive sports car and then void people's warranties. It was like Nissan voiding people's warranties for doing, you know, launch control in the GTR. Well, then don't put launch control in the car. Duh. I mean, this the the, the warranty thing uh. is would be a very different issue if dealers were. I think were in in charge directly of dealers. Uh, I'm or sorry, manufacturers. manufacturers were in charge of the dealers directly. I think it would be a very different situation. And I'm certain, having not spoken to anyone at Toyota, they are not happy with the way this went from a PR standpoint and are going back and we'll fix this. Um, they had better give that guy his money back. Uh, that or he spent on replace the motor. Engine. Yeah, or whatever Yeah, that's right. Is, he was spent right. putting in a used motor. He put in like a low mileage used motor is what the story says. What are, it's just unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Don't market this car as something that can drift and you know, and go racing and here to do a driving school, learn how to drive it, rah, 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 and then void someone's warranty over doing exactly what you designed the car to do. Stupid. Yeah. Um, Chrysler will probably not void my warranty on the Dodge minivan because it doesn't. You're losing, because it doesn't have launch control. (laughs) It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a warranty anymore. I mean, that's the joke is the the powertrain warranty expired at 60,000 and Enterprise sold it at 60,234 miles. Uh-huh. So as soon as the first rental came back, when it crested sixty thousand, they're yeah. like, they're all that way. Every I, one of them on the market is between sixty and sixty-two thousand miles on it. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, that's the. I I, I'm, I never see rental cars with that much mileage on them. I do. Really? Lately, especially. I, yes, lately because like Hertz and everybody who mm-hmm. was going you know, during the pandemic, and they're like, shit, 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 shit. We need money because uh, nobody's renting cars. They all right. sold their inventory, and then 
uh, when the invent- when the demand rebounded, they were all like, shit, 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 we need cars to rent. Right. And we sold them all. And, they, uh, were and then buying, they went out buying used cars yep. to put them in their rental fleet. So they all have like 35,000 miles. The, win- the window sticker on this car when it was new was 34,000 bucks. So, that, you know, I can't imagine what Hertz must have paid for it. 29, somewhere in there. Yeah, for the fleet discount. When the dealer, so I bought the car from Lexus of Sacramento and I can say nice things about them because they were almost completely on the up and up and the experience overall was wonderful um had a, I had was a it of one of those vintage lexus dealers that uh like there's that the, when lexus first came out i've i'm taking this opportunity to talk about lexus dealers yeah. uh the the architectural requirements the corporate um what does ci stand for uh corporate image yeah is it mm-hmm. okay Thought so that. the ci was that they you had to have this like kind of beige building that was kind of brutalist that ha- they all have this all the vintage lexus dealers have this look uh, Lexus of Pleasanton, Lexus of Newport Beach are the ones that I know that are like particularly representative. Anyway, I was wondering if it was one of those Lexus dealers Probably. that has that like sort of early 90s. I was so taken with the beauty of my gray van. Oh, uh, it's gray, not it, burgundy like the gray. other one. It has to be, it has to be a dark color for a camera. Um, mm. so, so yeah, it doesn't show burgundy, up as a white. Hold on, the other one was also gray. Oh, it was? The I burgundy was one you're thinking one. of is our friends at Vault. Oh, yeah. So this is the joke is I have a car right here from, from a collector who's part of a, a, a I guess, marketing and car club organization called Vault. And he also just bought, I mean, this guy's got quite a collection of cars and just also bought a Dodge Grand Caravan. Yes. But his is burgundy, the color that looks the best, but I can't have for filming. Because it'll... Because it'll reflect more. Mm, I mean... black. Yeah. I mean, a a matte black van would have been perfect. And actually, they make a GT model that has blacked out headlights and blacked out wheels, and that's what I wanted because it also has a 115-volt power inverter in it, but couldn't find it. For Grand Touring. No, for charging drone well, batteries. Well, GT. Uh, uh, for Grand Tour, yes. For, GT stands for uh, battery charging. Um, yeah. But, they're, they're, man, it's, they're so good. They're just so okay. good. I, have you driven one? No. Okay, so you're going to drive this van at some point before the next episode. They're, they're luxury cars is what they are. I mean, they're quiet. They're smooth. They're fucking fast. Mm-hmm. Like 7, 8 to 60 in a, a spinning tire the whole way there. I love it. They, they hit red line just after 60 and third. Huh. So they, gearing. yeah, they, and the, the and shifts, I, now, now I'm going to, yeah, now I'm going to have to make an acceleration <laughs> video. I have one on Best my YouTube car channel. Best episode no, 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 ever. I, have, I went back to my notes because now I've like, I've spent $20,000 on a van. I have to research. I went back to my notes. And when this generation with the six speed came out, I actually did a video with my Blackberry and <laughs> uploaded it to the tubes of you back in the day and you can is it still there it's still there and because you, you can see the shift looks like it's a non-shift it goes from like 6400 down to like 5900 it's like nah, nah, nah. it's awesome <laughs> um yeah the uh on the way home i wound up going across a mountain range uh, on the way home because i wound up looking at real estate with a friend of mine my friend who had driven me up and he's in a w124 e320 um with michelin pilot sport 4s's and uh they make those in 17 uh he has big wheels on them so i think that might be 18s it might no they're 17s 17s whatever it is he's got ps4s on a 124 and was hauling ass over the mountain range on the way home i kept up with him only to find out the next day i'm like why are these tires are squealing like immediately and then as soon as you start to slide they go quiet and i'm like that's sidewall that's really weird hmm and the dealership had put a brand new set of Goodyear's Did you check on. the tire pressure? The light wasn't on, and I bought a car from a fucking dealer that had done a huge safety 21 inspection. PSI. Oh, 24, 28, 28, and 29. And What's the recommendation? 36. 
Mm. Yeah. So I bumped it up to 38, drove it last night, flung it into a corner, and I'm like, whoa, it gripped. <laughs> it was hit the curb on the inside. Amazing that tire pressure would actually influence Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Um, yeah. So, but it was it was very fun. We watched on his, uh, he's got a dash cam uh, that's like a in the mirror and then uses the backup camera the whole time. So we watched the footage after and you just hear, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing more fun than driving a slow car faster, a non-grippy car. Beyond the limit. 10.7 tenths. Yes. Okay. Uh, is that the topic of this episode? Is are we? Is this a dealer Dealers. episode? We should talk about. I have an ECME shirt on, but it's ECME Mechanica. Sell, we don't sell new cars. You have dealer plates. You have dealer license. You're a friggin' dealer. Yeah, we sell used cars. Used car dealer. You're a used, used car, car dealer. dealer. Your yeah. mom must be so proud. I know. Yep. Um, I was just looking. You guys have a Chiron in for sale at the mm. moment. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of market for that? I don't know. I mean, so someone out there somewhere. Out. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. Um, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but is the used is the classic car market tanking? Ah, yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, is this something you don't want to talk about? No, no, no. Like, I'm happy to talk about it. it. The current, the current, uh, current car market. It is not tanking completely. There are exceptions. What we're returning to is a level of rationalization, which I think was worthwhile. What was happening in the pandemic was just like, especially starting in 2021, everyone was just standing around being clutching their pearls for the first nine months. Uh, and then people are like, Meh, I'm bored. And then started buying cars and then they were not going anywhere and there was a lot of stuff they couldn't do. And so they started to buy cars a bunch. Uh, and then the market just went absolutely insane for stuff. And it was in an unsustainable way. It really, I think, disrupted the market. It gave it all this leverage. I mean, you, you see the, it, the consequences in the new car market, which is that you get $30,000 markups on our RAV4s, for example. Uh, and let me let me say one thing that that trickled down to the the lack of availability of new cars trickled down to a real bump in the second hand value. Yeah, and not a twenty thousand dollar car became a thirty thousand. This car. van, by the way, the dealer showed me their paperwork on it. They lost. I, I probably shouldn't tell you how much. Put it this way: that when they they took them five months to sell the van, they bought they got it in February. I bought it at the end of July. Uh, they started listing that van at thirty twenty nine nine ninety five. And it was listed at 20800 when I showed up, and I got it for less than that. Mm. So uh, I got it for 20265 I think, was the, <clears throat> was the final sale price. Because you gave them an out-the-door price or something? No, because I, because I gave them an opportunity to be 100% above, above board, and they weren't. So I got there, and I, before I came out, I said, look, I just had a bad experience with another dealership. Just disclose everything please i'll, I'll you be mean fine. fees or do you mean <clears throat> fees condition? and condition um yeah but they, their standards for condition are different from yours and they've got a bazillion cars on the floor and there's a big dent by the uh, gas door so right in front on the leading edge of the fuel door where the hinge mounts to the inside it looked in the video like there was a big dent there and i could there was no close-up photos of it and whatever so i specifically asked the salesman before I come out there, I just want to make sure that this is going to work for me. So, and I need to factor in what's what's going on. Uh, please send me a close up of that spot of the car. And he sent me a walk around video where he said the words, "There's not a single ding on this car. It looks, you know, it's a, your typical two year old car, but not one ding or scratch or flaw." When I got there from across the parking lot, I could see there's a ding in the door. Somebody obviously knocked the gas door off. And and the, the fuel door is a slightly different color. So somebody probably just backed up and knocked the fuel door off. No big deal. But he didn't disclose it. 
Now, in his defense on a minivan, the door slides and obscures, obscures that part. So he didn't really probably wasn't, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a nice guy. And I think he just probably wasn't paying too close attention. However, there are multiple things all over the car that he didn't see. Um, and also when I got there, the check engine light was on and they're like, oh, the battery just died. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Get your tech over here right now and scan it. And so they scanned it and it was just a code for low, low battery. And I'm like, okay. And then I go to take it for a drive and it doesn't restart. And they're like, well, it's probably just the battery. No, it turns out they also put a GPS like tracker in the car and it had turned it off because they forgot to mark it on test drive and saw that it left the, left the dealer premises and it locked itself. And I'm like, this is just getting to be too much. And then um, the rear air conditioning doesn't blow cold. There's just a bunch of little things that they didn't disclose. And they probably didn't notice. And they're so, not looking closely at this stuff. It's not. a commodity bullshit car for them. And exactly, they're a they Lexus dealer. They bought this just because they had no inventory. I'm sure in February, and they would just get rid of it. And now they're upside down so much in it. Yes. So I was, you know, I, they were like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I, I want three thousand bucks off." Is what I want because that dent alone, to that's painting the whole quarter panel. There's that. The, the windshield had been replaced and they didn't tighten the mirror. Um, the battery's dead. Like, what the, this, this is not what I fucking signed up for. And what they didn't know was I was leaving one, one way or another with that van that day because I just run out of time. I need a, a camera car. Um, and so they, he was, he looked at me like I was crazy when I said, I'm going to take 3,000 bucks off. I'm like, just go to your finance manager and be like, look, it's $3,000 to fix everything you've unfucked. Now I can't smog the car because the check engine light's on. You're going to reset it. And that's another issue for me. So well, just they have to smog it. Legally, they can't sell me the car without smogging it. And this is if it was titled out of state, right? To bring it into California because you got a five-year exemption when the car's mm, new. Oh, yes. Okay. So, and we thought it was uh, titled in Kansas. So I, I said to him, here's the deal. Realistically, I want 3000 bucks off the f- fucking car. I'm not expecting you to do that but I'm not going to go back and forth. Tell them, knock 600 bucks off, put a new battery in it, clear the codes, and then you reimburse me for the smog when I get home. And he came back and they did it. Um, and, and so realistically, it was, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to make the deal happen and I didn't want to piss them off. And I, the salesman who did that video came running over and was like, I just watched the video. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. He was a, he was great. He was great. People make mistakes. It was a, it was a, I think it, I think at the end of the day, it was an honest oversight. Um, but there, the whole thing was like, well, like we're going to disable that security thing. There was no hidden fees. The warranty guys, a total car guys got an FJ60. Um, I'm sorry, the finance guy who did all the checkout. And an FJ60 Land Cruiser. We talked about that for, he's like Scottish, um, the coolest accent in the world. It, the whole experience was wonderful. Um, but the reality was they lost thousands and thousands of dollars on that car because they thought it was worth 30 grand when they bought it well it might have been <clears throat> it, or it might have been worth 26 uh which is a reflection of you know the way that the market has shifted in the last <clears throat> so i think four it's, months right and i think it's important for us when we have this discussion of collector car values that everyone hears sees headlines and whatever but we have to separate it into three different types of cars new cars used cars and collector cars and so new cars have gotten more expensive because inflation and mostly because of availability. So the ADMs that you see, the additional dealer markups and the price adjustments that you see are just a simple function of supply and demand. More people want cars than are available. The dealers can hike the price up. Can't blame them for doing it, even though I think there's comebacks. Um, and that's that. Having trickle down effects in the used, in car, used car market cars. because people are like, well, if it costs me 
you know, $50,000 to buy a whatever, <clears throat> then... Or I just, I wrecked my car and I need a car and the dealer has no new, in, like the Honda dealer by me is still empty. There's not a single car on that lot. Mm. So you need a car, what a it, demand, but then there's collector cars and that's a separate, I think a separate mechanism that caused, there's no scarcity of collector cars. It's not like that changed. Yes. Uh, they... So what has changed is that I think there's people who are more concerned about how much money they have because of what the stock market has done. And so there's some people who have left that market uh, altogether. But certain exceptional things still continue to do well. And we are now what I've, the word I used before is rationalization. We're in a place where prices are a bit more rational, where if something is really extraordinary and unrepeatable, it still goes really high oftentimes uh, in a way that's kind of asinine. I mean, sometimes it's not, it's just incomprehensible like that 308 gt4 that <laughs> sold for two hundred thousand, whatever it was 244 was it it's i don't know it's just asinine uh for a u.s car dark blue i mean the, the color was spectacular the color combo was perfection. yeah but you could change the color combination of uh, you could buy a car for fifty thousand dollars make it blue and spend fifty thousand more dollars on it and still be less than half of the cost of that car i don't understand and by the I, way it was, was very clean altogether it was a be beautiful fair. car yes in the right color with the wrong bumpers and it's a 77 or 79. It has emissions. It's 205 horsepower. Yeah. So yeah. Though that totally car irrational. You get two guys who really want it and they both have money and then they just insane things happen. Uh, and that will continue to be the case on Bring a Trailer. But you, I can't predict when that's going to happen. Sometimes I look at something. I'm like, ooh, that's tasty. That's going to do something special. But then every so often something comes along where you're like, what an insane price. And you look at it and you're like, I still can't make sense of this result. And it's just two people who really wanted it. Sometimes the, the cheerleaders in the comments are like, you know, go for it, blah, blah, blah. That happens. Uh, so it's it's irrational. But there's also just, a, it's not to the point like it was six months ago where every single thing that came up, you're just like, oh, another asinine price. Unless it's like just deeply flawed in some way. It's been crashed or rusty. I mean, even TMU has started to not be that important anymore. That's true total, mileage. True mileage. Yeah, true Is mileage it? unknown. Yeah. Uh, where the, you know, the odometer broke or, you know, it was replaced or something like that. Uh, so the, the market ha has it tanked. I think it's much more rational. It's much closer to where things used to be. Uh, it is a much more normal market. It's now less, because it just used to be an unrelenting seller's market. And as a buyer, it was really frustrating and discouraging to try and buy something in that market. Because, you know, I sound like an old fart when I say this, but you back are. in my day, I, 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 <laughs> back in my day, we used to run around and buy 911 SCs for 15 grand and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, those cars are at 40 are sensible and now it seems like maybe 50 or 60 is the number and you can rationalize your way to that number for that car but i just remember in those days it was genuinely like the buyer's market and you could choose to wait around and something better would probably come along and this this these days i feel less like that's the case so there's there's another economic force at work inflation and yes I, and that's something we haven't experienced in well you're 94 years old but i mean when i i remember when i was a kid my parents got a mortgage with an 18 yes my rate. mom just told me that and i was um, mind-boggled yeah, by that I mean, in the, the early 80s the payment for a small house in westchester county north of new york city that my dad made in 1981 is a payment i couldn't make today um and that's 81 to 2000 what is 2022 i mean 31 years later i <laughs> no way i could make that payment and that was for a house that was a hundred thousand bucks yeah um you know it was it was an expensive I mean, it was house saved, for 1981 but it was but not. saved probably the fact that things cost a lot less than at least because of inflation i think he just and we we had no money i mean it was a scrimp and save and like we got to get these kids my, my sister and me out of brooklyn you know we, we lived in a pretty tough neighborhood in brooklyn and it was like this for, for the kids and the school zone the school district we, we got to do this and they just made do um but that's just insane we're back 
I mean, we're not going to get to 18% interest, I hope, on mortgages. However, now things are getting more expensive. So my question is, where do you park money if you have money? And what do you do about your car? I, I didn't mind the market run up because I have too many cars as it is. So it's not, I'm certainly not looking for anything else. Um, but I hear people so frustrated at Bring a Trailer. Like Bring a Trailer did nothing but pro, pro connect buyers and sellers. And so what you're going to see is a, a price run up as the idea of I'm selling this car on Craigslist in Duluth and no one notices it. Therefore, you know, the one person, the only one person who sees it can lowball me. That situation goes away. Mm-hmm. But the market forces on the market forces. And, you know, you'll see an overshoot and then a small correction. But I think that's what we're seeing, right? And plus COVID was another big overshoot. But now we have inflation to deal with. So what happens to the price of cars in inflationary periods? It goes up. Everything Everything does. does, Right? Yeah, and I think that's a contributing factor to the prices in addition to the whole COVID thing. That I mean, inflation really didn't. In, in the, the, the this all started kind of January, February of 21, maybe even into December of, of 20. Uh, and then the every, run up, the run up did. <laughs> and then I think that the inflation followed or maybe they, it was in lockstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the I guess these vintage cars, people are, are buying them who were bored, for example. Right. And now, I mean, people are buying these things. So the, the thing that I, I come back to is that Still, objectively, a lot of these cars are really good value. You know, E34 M5s for with 200,000 200, miles or $20,000 or something like that. Uh, and you look at that compared to what a new car costs, and you're still like, mm, I'd rather... I mean, even when they cost the same thing as a, rather have the old you know, one. three series, a new three series or two series, you're like, I'd rather have the E34 M5. And now that they the prices of those going up is still, I think, lagging compared to... ADMs and the prices of new cars, I'd still rather have an old car. And it still represents a good value. If you objectively sit down and say, this is what I could buy for $20,000 or $10,000 for a, an old car, it's still like, eh, it's it's great value. It's, it remains that way. The way so sure, E34, yeah. E36 M5 or M3s, M3s are still not $7,000, but even if they're fourteen dollars or $20,000, it's still a good value. That's half the price of a, of a well-equipped Honda Fit at this point. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can... Yeah. And, and, uh, anyone who's bitching about the price of old cars or or the fact that I... Well, it depends what the old car is. Like, the weird, I just chose examples where like $20,000 buys you something interesting. Yeah, but people bitch about that because they those cars used to be 1500 bucks or 3000 bucks, and, and then, you know, people bitch that I complain about modern cars. And look, it, it's my job when I'm reviewing a modern car to only keep the perspective of modern cars, right? You can't start comparing new and old every single time because that's just not... They're not... Rele- those are not... It's not a relevant comparison. But my point is... If new cars were that great, old cars wouldn't be worth what they're worth. Because at this point now, stuff that's old, that's 30 and 40 years old, 80s and 90s cars, can keep up with modern traffic. No problem. And you can daily drive them. They're reliable. They're functional. And they work as transportation. So they do dual duty of transportation plus collectability. As long as you're willing to put up with, you know, old car stuff. And you're not in a place where you feel bad about using a car like that in bad weather. I think most people kind of don't, first of all. And second of all, old car stuff. Have you driven, have you seen the maintenance requirements of some modern cars and how often they're in the shop? Well, yes. And there's just so much complexity in these modern cars where you're just like, I hate it. Like I was, went on a 2000 kilometer trip in uh, a 45 year old car and was doing like maintenance before that trip. And I was just like, oh, this is really great like this was it's a mercedes s-class you know it's the epitome of complexity and i was like this is like so wonderful how much accessibility there is and like how straightforward it is to work on the car so this is the picture that you just posted 
uh, I think I just saw your social media post. This is the W116 280SE? 280SE. Okay. Um, There were a whole bunch of comments on the color of that car. That is Thistle Green, is it correct? It is Silbergrün, which is DB861. Okay. Thistle Green reportedly is DB881. So you've been lying to me for all of these years because you told me it was thistle. I thought it was thistle. And then people in the comments, in your comments on Instagram are like, is that silver green? Well, so my impression was that Silbergrün was just the German name for thistle green, which is very logical, right? In English, it gets like some kind of evocative name where there's a noun associated with it, Mm -hmm. thistle, right? Whatever that is. Uh, And then in German, they're just like, you know, it's green and silver, so it's silver green. So what happened to our TV? Did oh, our television it's checking die? out? It's checking out. Is this our high quality television that has died? That you just bought. <laughs> this is why the uh, 456 pictures looked kind of garbage. It was before. dying. It was the, the TV was it's on no its way It's no longer out. the Carmudgeon show. It's, it's just the, the Mudgeon Mudgeon O. <laughs> uh, yes. Sorry about technical difficulties. Um, Brennnesse in German are stinging nettles, and I only know that because I used to get stung by them walking through, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And my German friends, "Ah, oh, that's in Brennnesse." Um, so I thought it would be Nesselgrün. Anyway. So apparently those are not the same color. They look exactly the same. This is Mercedes Esoteric. I can't believe this. Imagine this is high value information for this anybody. This is high value. That, that car is fucking thistle green. That not, was what I the, thought. I mean, they look the same. Derek was wrong. Um, I just want to point this out. Derek was wrong about something with a DB and a three-digit so what, code. So what we need to know is no, what uh, DB881 is called in German. I mean, I can probably look that up good good uh, luck maybe you can uh, I, I mean doing so on, on short notes in any in any Google. case yeah i'm gonna look while we i had uh the window sticker for this car and it is described as 861 silbergrün so 881 uh in deutsch uh light hmm? light blue matte opaque mm-hmm. that's not mercedes mercedes uh, I swore I was never going to do this on a um, on a, a podcast show, like to pull out a phone and the thistle green metallic. It comes up. Yeah, in, but what is it in Deutsch? Auf Deutsch, was das? Sportleicht, thistle green. Hmm. The Sil- colors look exactly the Silber same. Silberdistel. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. Complete. Anyway, the colors look very similar if they are not the same color. So you did a 2,000 kilometer rally in a non-thistle green w 16 So that's the twin cam straight six mm-hmm. you sent me a video of it coming down the hill quickly and i heard it for a split second i'm like oh god that sounds really good he should have done it up the hill and then you posted a video of it going uphill both of which you're about to see right now oh my god that sounds good yes that, <laughs> oh that motor is is very sporting actually it's kind of incongruous it's kind of, you know what it's like it's like the manual r129 300 sl you get this car that's like big and dignified, uh, and then you put kind of like a 6,500 RPM twin cam KME. six yeah. in it that like has a lot of power at the top end and makes great noises. And you're just like, there's this disconnect between the the motor character and the car character, which is kind of amusing and charming at, at the same time. Because really what that car should have in it is some kind of V8, which all of the other variants of that car, the 350, 450, and 69 which but is even, actually 6.8. Even <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, the 280SE is actually 2746cc, so it's a 2.7 liter. Yeah, but 270SE does not have a, a, a lovely ring to it. I mean, we know why the, why it's called a 280. Because right? the predecessor was the 280. 
that's the same reason I'm thinking of is why the 6.9 is not called a 6.8. It's because in Germany, you pay road tax based on 100 centimeter, 100 cubic centimeters or portion thereof. So anything over 6801. Oh, just gets rounded to 69. 69. So that's why. So a 280 would be under German tax law. At 20, anything over 2700, 2701 and above becomes a 2.8 liter, mm. which is why I think the Germans always lied about, you know. But it was always by like one tenth of a liter. I mean, could have been one tenth, could have been, I mean, the wasn't the 6.9, 68, 30 something? 30 for 20. It's pretty fairly low. I mean, it's barely. Yeah, in the 30s. Yeah, barely think, above 68. If six, I remember eight. correctly. Um, but that, uh, that motor is. I, I drove once a stick shift R107 with that motor. Yeah. And it's wonderful. So. Yeah. But even even the 500, that's what I was going to talk about. Even the 500 that replaced the 450 engine for Europe, um, which is five liter, that was Cami also. That mm-hmm. really woke up at 4,000, pulled like a freight train from yes. five to six, 55, 5,800, wherever Redline was. And there were a couple of different versions of that engine. So that engine did come to the US late in the 126. God, we we're talking about Mercedes Benzes, of course. Shocking. Uh, well, last time we the two episodes ago, it was all BM, old BMW stuff, and everyone was like shocking. Everybody, they're talking about old BMWs. Well, this week we're talking about old Mercedes. We're the now, other, and now for something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, the 500 motor did come to the U.S. late in the 126, the SEC, never in the one the 107, so but 107 only in the, 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 record. the 500 SL, the right. first 500 SL. Uh, the first 500 SL in the U.S. was a 129. Correct. correct? Right. Yes, but, but the first Europe, 500 SL that ever existed mm-hmm. was in the 107. And we got it in the one... We never got... No, 450 SLC 5.0 was Europe only also. Correct, yeah. yes. Uh, but the U.S. version of the 5-liter engine, I think, was quite a bit less spicy. They have different mm-hmm. headers. Actually, there were, two. I think, two different headers available in Europe, uh, apparently. Uh, and those meaningfully impacted how spicy and like well breathing the motor was. So you I, want the try Y one is what they call the, the Euro, the good Euro headers. I don't, I, I don't think I knew until fairly recently that there were was actually an aluminum blocked. This is all the M one seventeen seventeen, but there's an M one sixteen, which is a three and a half. Hold on, there was there's a different version for the aluminum block. I think it's M one nineteen. M one nineteen is the four cam. Yeah, there's a, there's a different code, if I remember correctly, for the aluminum block, which was in the SLC. 5.0. Right. Yes. And those are a little expensive now. That block Europe. was actually taken racing in, what the hell, God, I did some research on this. What the hell car was it? In the SLR. No, it was not that. What the, now I'm, I'm, went in the Isdera, but that's not a racing car. There was some, but it, it never went in the C9 because the C9 was the 119. The basis for the M119 was a 117. Was a one se- aluminum 117. But well, we're now outside aluminum. of our own depth. Yeah. We have this backed is, ourselves into this yeah. corner. But anyway, the, the, when Mercedes made the quad cam engine for the quad cam V8 for the the 500 engine that we all know from like the 129 SLs, that was actually based on the block of that was based on the aluminum version of the old. Twin cam. Uh, twi- twi- single single cam. cam. Right, exactly. Um, and that got a turbocharger for a thousand horsepower or whatever. And then you know this, right? 129 500 SL originally started with CIS fuel injection. We learned this together right. in the junkyard. Yeah. <laughs> because I had a CIS car uh, and we were looking for something for it related to the fuel injection. And we were like, oh, great. There's a, um, it was a 140, it was a S500 or right. 500 SEL. And then we're like, oh shit, it's a completely different fuel injection system. So they made that switch 
Right, but also not only just a fuel injection switch, the blocks the deck, were different. Deck height. Right. Yeah, the deck height. So the All only, of the LH cars are short deck. Exactly. The only tall deck 5-liter V8 quad cam was the R129 529 with K-Jetronic, with yes, CIS. CIS in 1991 and 92. Right. And then they put the short deck in, which was the 4-liters deck four height. 4.2. Um, yeah. Or the 400E. Yeah, exactly. The 4.2. Which Was that actually 4.2 or was it a 4.1? Don't answer that question. Um, they wound up putting the smaller deck in when they put the 500E uh, together. Yeah, so all of the LH cars have that short deck, including the 140. Uh, all but, that to say, I did a 2,000-kilometer road trip in a 45-year-old Mercedes uh, through eastern Canada and Maine. And? Uh, it went well, yeah. Um, I love that a short wheelbase 116 is probably smaller than a current Civic. It's possible, yeah. yeah. Uh, a really great, just wonderful trip in that car. I mean, we did new tires, new battery, um, fuel filter, oil change with the high zinc stuff, mm-hmm. which I found some of. And uh, we afterwards, we replaced the belts because it got a little belt squeal partway through the trip when I was hooning it. <laughs> um, I love how you get in this dignified non-thistle green, thistle green as Klaus, and then you're sliding around corners and taking video of it. Uh, yeah, I. it could not be helped. Really great road. So we did. Uh, we went to Cape Breton Island, and um, I had been meaning to do this for several years and finally got round to it. And the roads are really great driving roads. It's like a road that is the, the, is the world famous, was what the sign said. Oh. Cape Breton Trail. Uh, if and it's so, world famous, does the sign have to say that? I know. It probably wouldn't need to be. Uh, no, we, it's a term that we used to use called uh, locally farce. world famous. <laughs> As opposed to globally local famous, which is what we are. Yeah. Right, because there are people all around the world who might know that we exist, right, but, but there, there are a very small, it's <laughs> a very small number of them. So that's globally local famous as opposed to uh, locally, locally world famous, uh, locally world famous, the uh, Cabot Trail. And so there are a bunch of RVs and you know people in crossovers, quite literally going up a hill at thirty kilometers an hour, which is nineteen miles an hour. Uh, and initially in the one sixteen, which is hefty and not that powerful and just kind of dignified and slow paced we're just like i oh, will just hang out behind these people but when they're going 30 kilometers an hour i'm just like you all can jump off a cliff and die uh so the road was really good <laughs> and uh it it we what what began innocuously enough is sort of sightseeing eventually uh evolved or devolved into like well that was a very good corner we should probably get out of the car and station you by the side of the road with a camera and uh, do a couple of passes at speed Uh, and the car is i mean this is typical of vintage mercedes which is you watch i love 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 watching the vintage videos that they did that mercedes-benz a or daimler ag made of the cars being driven at the limit and the cars are all horked over and they have the axle components painted different colors so you can watch the moving and they put a camera under the car and there's these test rigs in the car that are data logging but they have to remove the passenger front seat to have space for the data logger Mm -hmm. and that ticker tapes coming out of its uh but anyway you watch these videos of these cars from the 60s and they're just all horked over and at the limit and you know the cars go down the road quite swiftly it's very dramatic and there's a lot of roll but it, at the end of the day it's a well-engineered car that that actually is quite capable Fucking moves yeah yeah move. so 
that was really, um, really fun. But yeah, it was a great way to see the countryside and lots of strangers would come up and be interested in the car. And that's one of my favorite things about old cars is that it inspires enthusiasm and interest from... Really? I mean, it depends where you are. I mean, I was just talking to uh, the owner of an AutoZam AZ1 and he was like, yeah, the worst part is that everywhere I go, for fuck's sake. Well, you, you can't be trying to be somewhere. It's right. nice when you're on vacation, but if you're trying to use the car as a daily transport device and you're like, I just need to be somewhere... Right. It's not so good for that. But, I mean, the whole purpose of the trip was recreational. Hmm. And in eastern Canada, there's not the density that there is, say, driving around in San Francisco. So you just, those interactions. Although, I mean, yeah, we probably averaged three or four of those interactions a day. Wow. Of the people, car got that much attention. Yeah, of just strangers being wow. interested and asking what year it was and saying that they had a they used to have a 300D or one kid who had a 240D and he was like... Yeah, the hood's blown open twice while I was driving it, and I jumped on it uh, to straighten it out, and now it closes really nicely. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, but it was nice to just have a, I mean, a, a, he was a teenager mm -hmm. uh, who came up and was just like, he like beelined directly to like, as soon as we parked, came across a parking lot to initiate a conversation. And, you know, so people were enthusiastic they, about They it. all knew that it was Euro? No, I mean, I don't know that they knew or care, cared. I, just, but, I wonder uh, if a U.S. car in the sort of typical U.S. colors with those big bumpers would get in. They're so attention. offensive. Uh, but yeah, difference. car did great. Didn't burn any oil in 2,000 kilometers. Wow. Because those yeah. 280s do. Yeah. I mean, it, the car suckers. has 100,000 kilometers only. I so you had this car for 100 years, right? 2005, I bought it in, um, in Bern from the original owner. Mm -hmm. She and her husband had bought it new. And... Uh, I have the window sticker and some service invoices. My friend who I was traveling with, who's as much as a Mercedes nerd as any of us, if not more, more. so. <laughs> yeah, he was like, the hood pad's really nice because uh, the hood pads on those cars always fail. And then we were looking at the invoices and they maintained this car so well that they replaced the hood pad um, in 1999. How very Swiss of them. I had a very Swiss. The car will not pass inspection uh, <laughs> because the hood pad is starting to, is starting starting to, to deteriorate. Look, yeah. what, what year is the car? 77. 77. Yes. It's a seven. It's it's a seventy-seven. Just never mind. I am not going to incriminate myself publicly. Um, Paul, you're going to have to delete that section. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's a seventy-seven, and I got it from the original owner. They bought it new, and uh, her husband had died a few years before I got it. She was losing her eyesight, so she was selling it, and it had been off the road for like three years in two thousand five. So we pulled it out of the same address, like the original purchase invoice has the same address where I went to pick up the car. She cried when I took it away. Aww. Um, but it's, it's now living a great life in the United States very enthusiastically. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever taken it on a real trip. Like mm -hmm. I've always sort of just tooled around in it. Uh, and I bought it with 86,000 kilometers and it's now at a hundred in 17 years. Wow. That's not a lot. It's 800 kilometers a year. Yeah. Miles a year. Yeah. So it doesn't get a lot of use. Mm -hmm. and, so, and now it's at 102 because I put 2000 kilometers on it on the trip. But, uh, I really haven't done much to the car, to the car at all. Clearly you haven't probably needed to because you haven't driven it. Yeah, but you know, at this age, you know, the brake fluid should be done and in brake hoses. When was the last time that stuff was done? 2019. The, oh. uh, because, you know, from lack of use, right. the brake system was packing up a little bit. So rebuilt the calipers and replaced the fluid and stuff. But yeah, overall, it's been really a sweetheart. It hasn't needed anything significant. Cool. Uh, and I really adore that car. I'm a big 116 fan. Nobody, that's nobody's favorite one S-Class. Everyone prefers the generation before or the generation after. And the, the 126 has a huge following. 
the uh, one before, which is just so Baroque looking, the one of 108, 109, like the 6.3 generation cars. Uh, everybody loves those. And the 116 is like the sort of is it? unloved. I have, an, I have a lot of diesel, diesel fan friends who love 116s because that was the world's first production turbo diesel. Engine. Yes, for the U.S. only. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And those cars are not particularly uh, sought after compared to the ones before. Like a 6.3 is worth quite a bit more than a 6.9. Mm-hmm. And 126s have gotten kind of expensive. Too. Yeah. So, but it's my favorite, and I don't know wh- why that originated. I mean, it was a strange. In when I bought that car, I was eighteen. Like I was a strange, eighteen-year-old to like be like, "This is the car that I want." Um, a non-thistle green, thistle green, two eighty yes. euro, and it's got the manual windows. It does have the, the Becker cassette player, not a track cassette player. Was an eighteen hundred franc option. What is, I don't even know what the car was. was Forty-eight thousand francs. So it's 42,000 before options, 48,000 with options. So 1,800 francs was the radio. The leather interior was like 1,000-ish francs. What color is your leather? It's parchment, effectively. Oh, cool. um, I was hoping you were going to say it was green velour. No, that is my dream configuration for a 116, is green, green, green. velour interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what other options? The Windabweiser for the elektrische Schiebdach. So the, the electric uh, electric sunroof, sunroof was an option, and then the Windabweiser was a hundred uh, hundred and fifty francs for the just the little wind thing, wind deflector wind thing. Um, and I think those are the options, basically: the radio, the leather, the sunroof, and the wind deflector. I think so that's cool. everything. AC? No AC. No AC. No AC. Manual windows. Leather though. Power locks. Yes, vacuum operated, right. of course. Yeah, so I, I adore that car. I'd love a 6.9. Someday I shall own one, I think. You should have a brown 6.9 with a green velour interior. So there is a car that reportedly was that configuration currently no. for sale. and Like Milan Brown with... It, it was Milan Brown, but it's color changed to black. Ew. So it's black with a green velour interior. And I have to wonder whether oh, this, that I've never seen that configuration. I feel like somebody... That wasn't actually made, but 404 is Milan Brown and 040 is black and i'm like 404040 404 instead of mm. 040 and i wonder if somebody made an error and the car was always black but like, the yeah. but yeah. i mean mercedes manufacturing would they make an error like that yeah but also would somebody get a Don't brown forget. car with a green interior in the 70s i mean that's very 70s i mean that's no that's just terrible i mean i kind of yeah. want to see this i can't wait for the, you to provide well, it's the black inserts. now oh. it's black now but the build, the, the build uh, plate that has the color code on it does say 404 which is brown where where is this car it's in southern california oh, but it's a euro car it'd be awesome if you can inspect it and see if it was actually if there's evidence somewhere brown. that it was brown yeah i mean okay we've gone on a very deep and probably quite dull mercedes well, uh, well <laughs> here's a question do you do you see bring it back because 116s are cheap right right yeah they're yes uh, they are really like a wonderful blue 350 SE with a blue cloth interior, uh, cloth inserts interior sold for sixteen and a half thousand uh, dollars on bring a trailer. When you say wonderful, you mean collector grade. It looked like yeah. it in the photos. It looked like a nice car, and it was a great color combination. And it was a short wheelbase, you know, V8 V8 car, which I, I'm a fan of. And so to me, like that's such a cool car for so little money. But you know, nobody gives a shit except for me. And then there's like a fairly rabid 116 Facebook group. Um, 6.9 i mean you know i had one there were it was yeah. fun that i was desperately fun. want one i want one so badly even though i have no idea what i would do with it in fact i'm thinking about buying that black one with the green interior um because 
I, the, it has to have a green velour interior. If I'm going to get a 6.9, I, really, I would do a blue velour interior. But it needs to be a, a velour, velour interior car yeah. with the manual I HVAC. I don't think most people realize velour was more expensive of an option than, than leather was. right? That velour. may very well be. It's, they were both definitely upcharges. Mm-hmm. From vinyl. From the vinyl, yeah, so you could get four upholsteries. You could get the cloth with the fabric inserts, which mm-hmm. is mega, mega cool. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that in a 6.9. Most 6.9s have leather velour because they were top of the line. Uh, and then you get the MB text, which is like plastic mm-hmm. vinyl. And then there's the leather, and then there's the velour, which is mega. Velour is amazing. I lo- always love the, the horizontal stripes yes, on it. Yes, exactly. Corduroy. It's, corduroy. it's uh, velourduroy. Velourduroy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's still hope for, for affordability in the car market. Yes. Mercedes have always been really good at this, especially what you get in terms of, and uh, you know, people always make fun of us for being Mercedes fans, but they're just such well-made cars and they're hilarious to hustle and actually will do it just, you know. Right. If you ever, if you ever get a chance to just watch any of those fascination videos, they're all called yeah. fascin- fascination, yeah. um, fascination videos. I might, I might select an ins- insert actually. What I want is the insert of, I think it was a 190, <clears throat> the W201. <clears throat> uh, they were doing uh, ride, rough ride testing. Yes. And, and they, they have the doors, the doors off. There's, a, could... there's an exactly the same video for with a 116 doing <laughs> okay. it also. You're going to be doing that insert. Yeah, yeah, I'll find um, them. It's always, <laughs> I can watch them. Yeah, because they're all <laughs> in suits and stuff and they're all like, everything's <laughs> jiggling, but they look very dignified. And the car is just perfectly level the wheels are like yeah and you know they're like yeah yeah, fucking awesome that's but that's the reason why mercedes was fucking decades ahead of everyone else is they really did this shit yeah um so okay um so in some what was this episode about (laughs) it was about nothing effectively (laughs) it's it was about my van yes car dealers Car dealers and uh, vans and the car market. Car dealers suck. The car market is experiencing unprecedented something because everything is unprecedented these days. Mm -hmm. And you have had an unprecedented road trip in your W one sixteen two eighty SE in green, silver green metallic, silver thistle. Uh, Right. All right. So join us next time on the next episode of Car Magic Show, which will probably be as disjointed and stupid as this one was. Excellent.